Hello, Annika. Hi, Morgan. (laughs) (laughs) And welcome to Women Travel, a podcast about the places women have been and the things they did there. This week, we're especially focusing on the things women do in a specific spot. And we'll be talking to Chef Danny about what she does with Life's Kitchen and particularly what she likes to cook. But first, we're doing uh, the segment called A Million Wonders of the World, inspired by the podcast Wonderful. And I believe you went first last time so do you mind if i go first uh no go for it okay it's a very small wonder <laughs> it's okay mine is too <laughs> uh, but, it's, but it's christmas themed um so i uh, was determined this year to get taco wrapping paper mm-hmm. unfortunately they didn't have that at the local store so i ended up with like all sorts of different kinds i got like women on skateboards and i got llamas <laughs> and i got um, like these creepy jungle flowers. Um, and so I just had a lot of fun with different funky uh, gift wraps. Mm-hmm. And it was the first time. I mean, I used uh, brown paper before. Mm-hmm. And the year before that, I used... Um, oh, I used... Uh, uh, what's it called? The coloring paper. Um, that's like the outline of a thing. All I thought about was like a uh, macaroni and grill or like Red Robin coloring papers. Yes, yeah. So I use like full sheet cool. uh, coloring pages as wrapping paper. So I try to use something different every year. This one was not cost effective, but it was a lot of fun. <laughs> Where did you go to find these? Uh, there's a local store called Mixed Greens um, downtown, downtown Boise. Uh, my partner called it a mom's store. And I said, I love this store. Uh, so what are you going to do about that? And he didn't really have a response. <laughs> Is it like a paper store? No, it's not. Oh, okay. I was yeah. like, if it's a paper store, I am in trouble. <laughs> the store itself was not really what I was going to focus on. I just want to talk about cool wrapping yeah, paper. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. I'm just intrigued by ladies on skateboard gift wraps. Like, that's amazing. Oh, you want to see this? Okay. Wait, did I not... What did I send you? Uh, me? I haven't opened it yet. Oh, yours was a cool box. Yours was a cool box. You didn't get the cool wrapping paper. I'm it's sorry. It's fine. I, I love you. cool boxes. Um, but... See, I haven't opened it yet because you told me to wait until Christmas. Yeah, you have to wait until Christmas. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, talking about festivities, uh, my good friend Miranda on Friday took me to this little store called The Need to bead and it's just full of beads but it's really cool because she has beads from like the 17 and 1800s and she also has bone beads like made from legit bones and like animal skulls you can buy for really cheap so i got like little rabbit vertebrae (laughs) and it's just like it goes on and on and on and on it's crazy how much and then she also has like a tiny little like storage room in the back where she's actually created jewelry pieces so if you like them but you don't feel creative you can order them as well as like necklaces i i had never heard about it and miranda took me and i was like god damn it miranda i'm gonna blow all my money in this place i hate you right now but it's so fun the absolute plot twist of this is like you know in response like trying to pretend to be interested in beads and then you're talking about skulls and i was like you got me yeah of course 100 percent here <laughs> yeah no, no 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 like i i get it like some be- like for me beadings like seeing the bead jewelry is at like 
Joanne's. I'm like, meh. And that's how I kind of felt, too, like, thinking about, like, the need to beat. I was like, haha, first, love the name. Love that. That's great. Fair. And yeah. then I was, like, walking around. And I was like, holy shit, this is history? What is this? Are these, are these like, raven skulls and rabbit skulls for sale for, like, $5? I'm like, where am I? Oh, my God. I need to go to this store. Yeah, it's really cool. <laughs> I do want to go into a quick segue of, like, I feel like there should be an astrology equivalent to people's crafts of choice. Mm. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, everyone seems to have... Um, something that appeals to them that they go towards. And, you know, sometimes it's handed down, but, like, most of the time you just find a thing that's your thing. Like, no one else in my family really cross-stitches, like, currently. And so, but I just find it really cathartic to stab a thing over and over again. And it is very much, feels like my personal craft, especially with quarantine. And, you know, I just want there to be, I feel like, I feel like certain personalities or there's something, got to be something to that where everyone's just called to a specific thing. Yeah. For mine, I'm like, is mine just like collecting really weird and niche objects? Because <laughs> like, I'm like thinking of things I do. I'm like, I collect thimbles. I collect postcards. I now have like little bone jewelry now. <laughs> and now I have like mudlarking things, which is like pottery history from like the Thames and stuff like that. It's really cool. Because it doesn't seem like hoarding. You you definitely are more of like a collector. Like I could definitely see you having an antique store in like 50 years where you're like, these are all my things. <laughs> yeah, I would. I think it would be more of an oddity because I don't know if I have the heart to sell them. That's the thing. That would, yeah, that's the tricky part. And, like, most of the stuff have to, like, do with, like, research projects I want to do later on. You would have, yeah, you would have, like, a small, you know, room that's just, like, your collection of things. Like a back room or something. (laughs) And so people come over and visit and you're like, let me show you my collection. And then you pull out a lantern and then, like, throw your cape behind you theatrically. (laughs) And then we have to follow, obviously. Um, and then there's a dead body in there and we have to solve a murder. It was a murder mystery party the whole time. <laughs> okay, I love that. I'm totally, I'm totally down. I'm like, first you have to sign this contract in blood. <laughs> just kidding. You just have to buy one of my really weird niche research books for $25. <laughs> or you can tell me a fun fact. But it has yes. to be really fun. <laughs> And something I don't know about. <laughs> That's the hard part. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Ooh, I like this. Okay. Yep. Also, uh, suspense for... Retirement is figured out. Suspense for this episode <laughs> is I actually did have a fact that you did not know and Danny didn't know. Uh, find out. Tune in. Now. <laughs> chop, chop to it, homies. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> She's a chef, she's a teacher at Life's Kitchen, and on top of all that, the full-time job of being a mother. Uh, here today, we have Chef Danny. How are you doing, Danny? I'm doing great. And as always, is my co-host, Annika, in the final throes of uh, this semester's work. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, guys. <laughs> 
It was good. Good drama. <laughs> so, Danny, I wanted to first, of course, talk about Life's Kitchen. I've already talked to Corey uh, personally, but uh, tell me about what you teach and kind of what's the awesome, what's the awesomeness about Life's Kitchen? Well, I think cooking jobs are everywhere, for one. Like, no matter where you go, there's always cooking jobs available. So it could always be a really good fallback if you can't find anything in your field at that time. And cooking something that's really good to know for you and your house. It will, one, save you a ton of money in the long run if you can just cook anything you want. And there's lots of skills that you can pick up while cooking that will save you a ton of time. And, hey, you might be able to just help somebody out by showing them as well. Um, and sharing food is a big thing for me is like the, uh, gifting is definitely my love language. Um, is, do you relate to that? Oh yeah. I always say that food is definitely a way into someone's heart and soul. Always. <laughs> do you have any stories about being able to cook someone and get, you know, get them to like you? <laughs> Actually I do. Um, yeah, the father of my children, I cooked for him all the time. And he always blamed me for gaining weight, but he <laughs> stuck around for that long. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. So my question is <laughs> kids are like probably one of the most brutal food critics there are. Yeah. Like I'm sure you're a wonderful chef. How do they think of your cooking? <laughs> oh, there are some things I make that makes their head spin a little bit. I got to chase them down just to get them to taste it. <laughs> but but for the most part, I guess they've eaten pretty weird things that have come out of my kitchen. So they're more apt to try it. But worst case scenario, I always have chicken nuggets in the freezer. <laughs> okay, that was going to be my question. Like, if you could pick one cuisine to eat for the rest of your life, what would it be? Definitely Italian food. I would never give up my pasta. <laughs> <laughs> nice. See, mine's always Indian curry. Curry is good. Curry is one of those things that people either love it or they mm -hmm. hate it. I, I even worked at an Indian restaurant. I still have a hard time with curries. Um, mine would be Korean food. Ooh. Uh, yes. Yep. Love it. I love the spice. I love uh, using all the flavor and the different all the different meats and how you can make tofu taste good. I love it. <laughs> I love how there's like varying a spice level going on right here. It's like Italian, not too spicy, Indian food. You can get spicy, but Korean food is like that's, that's hot. the normal <laughs> is just spicy. Yeah. That's what I like about it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like your baseline is some spice, which, um, you know, having lived in Montana is just like so <laughs> polar opposite. Um, so segueing a little bit back into life's kitchen, uh, what's the most important life skill in uh, like, what's the po most important life skill? What's the most important life skill in the kitchen? Uh, I guess we'll start with the easier one. The most important life skill in the kitchen, I would say, is def definitely how to use the food that you have. We, we get very thrifty with what we have to actually give and what we have to make a full meal for, because um, we cook for Interfaith Sanctuary. And so we cook 300 plus meals per week, uh, per day. Oh, holy cow. Can you explain, uh, for people who aren't from Boise, what Interfaith is? Uh, Interfaith is our, I guess, homeless community. It's, uh, the safe zone. They can go to either get a hot meal. There's a lot of donations that go out of that building. So yeah, they just, they help our local homeless community. What's the most common dish you have to make? Cause I, I know for like a lot of people when they donate like canned food, it's like beans 
or like that fruit cocktail there's like cherries and pineapples all together yeah <laughs> uh we make a lot of chicken casseroles uh sometimes we'll have rice sometimes we'll have beans sometimes we have pasta it just kind of depends on what we have on hand all right so what's the most important life skill that all of our listeners out there should really lock down I guess just how to pull out the work ethic that we have to have some days. Um, There's some days that are easy and some days are hard. And we try to teach the students that no matter what is going on in your life, you know, you come to work and we work hard to do what our job is. If you can, if you can work through what's going on at work and work through also your personal life included, then you're doing great. You made it through today. I love that. That's um, something that I've actually had to revisit was because you have a bad day and then you're like, oh, I just want to like lay in bed and curl up and watch, you know, something or listen to something. I just like stop existing basically. Um, And so I've had to revisit that of like, you have to push yourself to at least do one thing or get through the work day. I tend to run a lot. So I was like, I can't skip a run because that's an anchor to kind of like an anchor to reality so that I don't keep feeling worse. We get that. And at Life's Kitchen, we always tell them like we we are all a family here. No matter what, at the end of the day, we are a family. And that's what we strive to do most is help these you know, young adults grow into the adult we know that they can be. That's something I try to do with my own students because I'm a college professor at BSU. And like you guys were saying about not being motivated, when you have students leaning on you, there are some days where I'm like, I do not want to open up this email. I do not, I do not <laughs> want to deal with this. But I'm like, but it's for the future. It's to help them build what they want to build. And I'm like, ah, dang it. Okay, one more email. (laughs) But it always ends up being for the best. I wanted to say, uh, how do you define uh, a leadership position? What's some characteristics of that position? Um, You definitely have to be on the go all the time in this field, let alone if you're in a leadership position. Um, It's a lot of hours, a lot of hard work. You'll spend a lot of time in the kitchen and in an office. So it's just about keeping your head up and knowing you can keep going. You kind of mentioned earlier uh, that cooking helps, you know, you can take that skill anywhere. And I was wondering, where have you taken that skill? Have you, um, like, as I understand it, mostly in America, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I actually have not really traveled much out of the country. That's fair. Um, So I've been pretty stuck here. We're all stuck. Um. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Right, this year didn't help anybody with that. (laughs) But just here, I've taken it to many different places. Uh, I've worked, you know, at bar and grills. I've worked in food trucks. Uh, Now I work for Life's Kitchen. So you can take any kind of cooking skill and move it into any cuisine, even if it's just here. Yeah. You can still get a wide variety, um, in one town. Yeah. Yeah, Because as long as you know, the basics, you got this. So we just had Thanksgiving. We're going into Christmas. I wanted to hear some holiday foods that you're, that are like a family favorite, uh, 
Yeah, the weirder the better, obviously. Oh, the weirder the better. Um, my mom makes this corn mac and cheese every year for Thanksgiving and Christmas, and it's got corn and Velveeta cheese and lots of butter. What? <laughs> yeah, it's it's very different, but it is like it has creamed corn and whole corn, so it's it's really good. So my, so my question is, does the corn replace the noodles, or is there corn and noodles? There is noodles, but it's corn oh. and noodles. But it's like a mac and cheese with corn using Velveeta and butter. I, I think that's the part that's got me stumped, is the Velveeta plus butter. Like, why would you add butter to the Velveeta? But be, because why not? It's Thanksgiving. Seems to be the answer. It, it makes it really <laughs> creamy. <Okay. laughs> It like in my head it looks like a monstrosity, but I know it probably tastes so good. It's probably got that good crunch, yeah. It's so good. That good crunch. And all the everybody in the family eats it, so it's definitely our weird go to. I mean, we make weird stuff all the time just because my mom is the one who taught me how to cook. So We'll sit there and just be like, I don't know, let's change it up. Why not? Okay, what's one thing that just ha didn't work for you? Um, like, for example, I tried to make mint jello. Um, yeah, it was bad. <laughs> I just love Danny's face on that. I wish we had a camera for that. <laughs> That's different. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I, I mean, my nightmare one is I tried to make vegan uh, butternut squash mini hand pies, and I didn't put any butter or egg in it and like nothing and i just made the towel with like water and me and my mom were like it's okay and both of us were like <laughs> probably had a baby food consistency with it. it it was mostly like just the dough it just did not taste right it felt like satan's under things or something i don't know it was awful oh i get it oh i'm really big into like infusion food so I try to mix cuisines all the time, but I tried to make almost like a, I guess you could call it like a taco spaghetti. Oh, okay. Oh. I've seen, I've seen people try that. But I think the way I made it, my kids, we ordered a pizza <laughs> that night. <laughs> it was just not okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's wild. Cause like, I've, I've thought about that as like a, why wouldn't this work? Mm -hmm. uh, but I've never made it. Oh, it's just, I think it was the execution, but it was just not, not good. Yeah. I remember there was one time my mom made, tried to make mac and cheese from scratch and there was just something wrong with it. And I was like, I don't know. I think I was like in fifth grade. I was just like eating it. I was like, mom, I love that you tried this, but this is so gross. And she's like, you don't have to eat it. I'm like, I'm trying, but I can't. We all have those dishes and meals that we're like, that was very questionable and just shouldn't do it again. <laughs> do you find that your kids are more willing to help you in the kitchen or is the kitchen kind of like your domain? So you, you're like little hands, get out of here. Oh no, they help me all the time. Uh, especially my youngest. He's always asking to stir everything. He wants to add the eggs. So in like stereotypical house roles, in terms of kitchen, like cooking at the house, it's usually the moms. I had a different upbringing where my mom and dad cooked, so it was actually really weird. My one of my older brothers like, I don't want to learn how to cook unless it's with my girlfriend, and we're all like, "What? <laughs> um, does your husband help with the cooking, or does he just kind of like 
lets you do it? Was that preordained or were you just kind of like, honey, you're awful, so I'm just going to take over? <laughs> um, when we were together, he he tried. It was definitely like maybe you just operate the barbecue outside. It's less of a fire hazard. I've actually been, you know, because we separated, so I've actually been seeing someone recently who really knows how to cook, and I enjoy that. That's, yes, very nice. (laughs) Yeah, and he hates when I go over and cook, because I cook all day. So he's like, let me do it. (sighs) I'll cook for you. So, but this it's super nice for everybody to know how to cook, and Mm -hmm. I I have boys, so they're going to grow up and know how to cook. That was a big thing in my household of, like, um, unless you had, like, a big homework project to do, um, pretty much growing up, we were always either in the kitchen, just around, or actually participating, like, always watching and being a part of the dinner. Um, And so, to me, and, like, most Mm -hmm. of my family was like that, so to me, like, it wasn't a gendered thing. And I didn't realize that there was any pushback until I actually worked in a kitchen. And then I got a lot of those people who would, like, either be, you know, like, oh, let me handle this, like, because you're just a girl. Um, Or there would be people who, like, would intentionally be too rough because they wanted me to fail. Oh, yeah, that was my first mentor ever. Um, I think I went home and cried every night for a month because he just pushed me hard. But I learned. I learned a lot from him. And after I got past that point, he was the one that taught me that I could do anything that I wanted to. Did it become like a friendship ever or was it always just like a kind of brittle relationship? Oh, yeah, we became friends. So he he taught me a lot that I know now. So I just had to get over that little hump of showing him that, you know, you can push me and I'm still going to come back the next day. We like those stories. Unfortunately, I feel like it's completely necessary to have to prove yourself a little bit more um, in a kitchen environment. There always, especially professionally, there seems to be just a lot of that subtle competition. Oh, yeah. The uh, term, if you can't stand the heat, stay out of the kitchen is a very real situation most of the time. Yep. (laughs) okay so my question is okay moms and dads are out of the equation for this one but who is your favorite chef my favorite chef Mm -hmm. that i've worked with it could be worked with you see on tv you like have a cookbook and you're like damn this person knows what they're doing just anyone that's like you're like oh no this is like an amazing chef i would say emerald lagasse just because I grew up watching him. And I think he was the one reason that I originally started wanting to cook. You know, him and his bam. I just loved it. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think he had an influence on all of the Italian food too? Because that was a majority of what he did, right? Yeah, so it probably was. (laughs) But yeah, he was just my favorite person to watch on TV. I love that. I don't know, Annika, should we answer that question? or? Because <laughs> I, I know mine. I'm familiar with Emeril. I did watch the Food Network quite a bit, but it wasn't until probably college, and my brother re- recommended Binging with Babish, um, which is a YouTube channel. And he takes and he takes a movie food, and he turns it uh, into a proper recipe. And because of him and his videos, I actually learned to, uh, and I'm forgetting the technical term for it, but debone a turkey. 
Um, and I did that for a Christmas a couple mm-hmm. years ago. And so he, you know, just being able to do really, really fancy stuff, um, is my, is definitely how I cook. Like I don't do weekday very well, <laughs> but if it takes, if the meal takes like three to four hours and it serves like 20 people, like I will totally do that, but I don't like cooking every night. <laughs> Um, so fortunately I have a partner who's more interested in, uh, you know, staying alive than I am (laughs) in that regard. (laughs) Yeah. So I love doing the fancier stuff and I love watching binging with Babish because he'll go the extra mile and I'll be like, I could probably do that. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, mine is stereotypical, but like, I've actually learned a lot and it's Gordon (laughs) Ramsay. I'm sorry. That's a hot take. Um, but I also just really love watching the American versus the UK version because the the sorry the American version is like you fucking donut what the fuck do you think you're doing garbage <laughs> and then the UK is like all right love it's shit but we're gonna work it out and we're gonna get you mental Aww. health okay and like and it's just like <laughs> like he's so nice in the UK version. But, like, he taught me how to make, like, the best scrambled eggs. And it was, like, off the heat, on the heat, off the heat, on the heat. And, like, that changed the way I made eggs. Because my grandpa is really amazing at making eggs. But mine are better than his. And I was like, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. Grandpa. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I also am, like, really inspired by my friend's mom. Because she does, like, she goes all out. And it's, like, Russian, like, gourmet food. Or, like, sometimes she's like, hey, I made duck on Wednesday. And you're like, duck duck on Wednesday? <laughs> she's like, yeah, do you want some? And I'm like, okay. And um, during this quarantine, she has cooked every single day. She hasn't ordered in once. And I'm like, damn, Natasha. How do you wow. do that? Well, yeah, I love that. Yeah, what's the that. secret? I, she just loves cooking. She just loves it. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I've even ordered out, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I complain that I have a studio apartment, so I'm like, eh, it's so small. It's not the right kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the perfect kitchen, so that's my excuse. <laughs> um, and I can't help but look over your shoulder and see that you have a very large kitchen, um, and I'm kind of jealous. <laughs> it it work. It's not super large, but it gets the job done. <laughs> Question, do you have a walk-in pantry? I don't. Oh, okay. I It's on my bucket list for my house that I'm going to buy soon, <laughs> but I don't have one right okay, now. Because that's like something a lot of like uh, my sister-in-law's chef friends have is just like a huge pantry. And I'm just like, oh, that's like the one thing I feel like every chef has or will eventually have. Or it's on their bucket list, like you just said, Danny. I would have a walk-in refrigerator in my new house oh, if I could. Oh, God, yes. I would take that way over a pantry. Because <laughs> for me, historically, walk-in pantries just become mess. Personally, I've never seen a well-organized walk-in pantry. It's just that's where things go to die. Um... <laughs> <laughs> no, I know where you're coming from. <laughs> we bought too many bags of beans, and now they're all in the back corner behind the Tupperware. And we're never going to remember that we have that. I've seen that happen. <laughs> See, I, I, I've I, seen that happen too. But, like, for me, I grew up with a six-family household. So, like, food went quick. And so when it was just me and my mom, we're like, why do we have all this food left over? Oh, it's because we don't have four grown men in the house anymore. We're just, like, eating everything. And we're like, whoa. 
<laughs> we actually have surplus. This is weird. <laughs> okay, so that's what I kind of want to ask is like, do you, I know this is far in the future, but hypothetically, do you have like a plan for organization or, or what helps you kind of keep organized in the kitchen? Yeah, I'm super OCD actually about my kitchen. Um, and something that my grandma taught me was she always wrote the expiration date of things super big with Sharpie on the item. Oh. So you never had to search for it again. You could just look at the item, see the expiration date, because it's super big now. So it just kind of helps moving things to the front that need to be used, because you can see it. That's such a simple but genius thing that I've never thought to... <laughs> like, yeah, like, I did that all the time at work, is, like, you shuffle things forward that need to be used. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. See, I wish my grandma told me that, but, like, one of my grandma grew up in the Great Depression, so she'd be like, yeah, go down in the storage food unit that I have and pick whatever you want. You'd be like, thanks, grandma. And then, like, your parent would be like, okay, check the box for maggots, because if you got cereal, there was maggots yep. inside. And you're just like, yep. thanks, grandma. Yep, I'm totally going to eat this. <laughs> yeah, I guess the best thing is to just make sure that keep like foods together. Um, and a lot of people don't know this, but I always freeze my flour. Oh. And that kind of helps make sure that it stays bug free for longer. The freezer's too cold for them to actually grow. Like I've like this might be basic, but you know, some people keep like strawberries and raspberries out, but I find when you take them out of the container and put them in a metal bowl and then in the fridge, they last way longer that's why we have a lot of uh mm -hmm. metal containers in a kitchen because it just seems like some things just last so much longer in those instead of plastic do any of us know why i actually don't know why i don't think i've ever looked it up i just know that you can't put acidic things in metal bowls like lemons um and i don't remember why but you shouldn't do that i've never heard that um <laughs> okay i don't you know what? i don't think i've heard that one either that one might that might be close to the truth, like truth adjacent. <laughs> I think it's because like plastic is more porous and so it collects more bacteria, which is why I think, especially in grocery stores, you always have to check like the raspberries and always like flip it upside down because that little stupid whatever secretion pad on the bottom just like festers. So I... Yeah, definitely give them a little shake too because you never know. Okay quick edit on that lemon thing that's a real thing uh you don't want to put acidic like citrus in metal because it will the aluminum will cause it to taste more like a battery than what it is so you always put citrus um in plastic that makes sense i know a lot of uh, kitchen equipment now is stainless we don't use aluminum often aluminum is not something we like and the holidays and just things that are kind of that you've that have been helpful to yeah helpful to cheer you up cooking decorating with the kids uh we always do salt Ooh, ornaments sweet. so we're gonna make some ornaments soon and then we'll do the cutout cookies and decorate those do gingerbread houses oh man that's a lot and that sounds very fun <laughs> My house is full of sugar this time of year. So with the gingerbread houses, do you make your own or do you like buy them from kits? Uh, I buy the ones for the kids in kits, but my mom and I do like to go all out and make our own gingerbread. Wow. Dang. Make our own icing, make our own little concrete. 
That's amazing. You need to send us a photo of one that you make this year, <laughs> okay. or if you have one from the past, because I want to see it. We wanted to do a little village, but I think we're going to need to take some time off of work in order to have time for that. To do all that. <laughs> I just thought of like how big that was, and I was like, oh, oh I would not have the patience for that. <laughs> the frosting part's definitely my favorite part. I just don't know. Yeah, like the, the dough scares me for some reason. It's actually a really basic dough. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You'd be so nice. surprised. All right. Well, uh, that's a lot of fun Christmas challenges, I would say. <laughs> I did want to mention that Life's Kitchen, if you're uh, local to Boise, uh, they're doing holiday meals and they're doing uh, certain you know, special holiday desserts. So uh, there's still time to go and check that out online. Do you have any other last sh- shout outs, Chef Danny? I guess I want to give a shout out to all the other chefs that work at Life's Kitchen along with me. We wouldn't make it through some days if we didn't have all of us there. And everybody that works there is all amazing people. And we all have the same goal in mind. I, yeah, everybody order from Life's Kitchen. It gives the students really, really good experience to have to pull through and, you know, show our holiday spirit to everybody else. Good energy. Good energy. So we do have that recorded, so that's a plus. Yeah, we do. Some extras. Hey there, and happy holidays. First of all, I want to say thank you to Kiwi from the King and Queen of the Losers. They performed this song, Circle K, which is available on Spotify and Bandcamp. I also want to say thank you to Annika, uh, my co-host. She has been working on a project uh, that she will be able to make an episode for in the next couple of weeks, so I'm looking forward to that as well. I just want to take a moment to thank you for listening. Um, This has been more than a year since I've started on this project, and being able to build a community out of this has been a wonderful surprise. Lastly, I just want to take a moment to appreciate all the grandmothers, the moms, and the cooks in our lives who have made every day so much richer and have passed on wisdom either from the kitchen or from the dinner table. Thank you.